Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. episodes ago, I mentioned that the topics of accessibility and inclusion are near and dear to my heart. Here's why. My uncle is a hardworking, independent member of society who happens to have been born with physical and cognitive disabilities. He participated in a school for children with disabilities until the age of 21, where he was surrounded by a supportive community who taught him life skills, including how to read and write, how to understand practical math, and most importantly, how to be independent after completing school. Before the pandemic, in March 2020, my uncle volunteered at the same primary school for more than 23 years, having been celebrated by both his school and the city in which he lives for his work. He helped teachers with tasks like photocopying and reading to kindergartners and maintaining the staff room. In addition, he owns his own home and cooks and cleans for himself and lives a very happy life. This is only possible because he's treated like an equal. He feels valued and is included by his community. I couldn't be more proud of everything he's accomplished, and I am so grateful to the ways that inclusivity legislation continues to remove barriers for so many. Today's guest is Josh Skinner. Josh is a fellow registered graphic designer, he's a post-secondary instructor, and he's a senior product designer with 10 years of experience in the industry. Having worked in a variety of sectors, from creative agencies to major financial institutions like the Bank of Montreal, Josh has experience in creating effective design solutions for complex problems. He's passionate about equity and accessibility and continually educates himself on these topics to advocate for inclusive design. He is a proponent of always asking why in his work, and he will never settle for solutions just because they're easy. Take it away, Josh. Please tell us a little more about yourself and how you came to be an accessible design advocate. So my background is primarily in um, graphic and visual design. And that kind of led me, and during that process, that kind of led me on a journey of exploring a couple of concepts, things like um, web design, uh, digital design, app design. Um, And throughout that, it led me to various organizations in my career. So I started off working at a nonprofit organization, so primarily doing things for charities, doing their their marketing campaigns, (laughs) creating their events, doing their websites, things like that. Um, And it was really at that point where this was around in like 2012-ish. So that was that weird time when we were kind of shifting all things from being primarily print focused into digital focused and apps like the iPhone, I think like 4S was out at the time. Like the store was kind of shifting gears. With that shift in gears came like kind of a need in the nonprofit space for 
thinking about like accessibility and inclusive design and equity and how we can apply all of these things to a digital space because for all the organizations that I worked with at the time, that wasn't something that they had really considered. It was all very much like, you know, if you're doing donations, you're like you're doing the people on the street corner, you're having like physical mail-in things, like there wasn't much 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 around the digital space. So from there is when I really started to get into my foray of accessibility. And that took me throughout all of my successive career paths. So working in like the for-profit sector, um, working at a bank, the BMO Financial Group, and then where I am now at Lever. So throughout those, each, I guess, a node in my career path, accessibility has kind of played a huge role in what I do as a designer because I've tried to keep it as something that it's very integrated into my process. It's something that I don't, I try not try to look at it as like that checkbox that's often like, is it accessible? Done. Um, I, try to, I try to make it as something that is part of me as an individual, as a designer. It's kind of like where, how I've kind of gotten to accessibility. And then from here, I like to think of myself more of a, like, an accessibility advocate versus a pure expert because I don't think I would ever say that I know everything there is about accessibility. I don't think it's possible. I don't myself don't have any disabilities. So I think what my role as a designer is, is to advocate and make sure that people, persons with disabilities are considered as part of that process. And that's what I do as part of my day-to-day when I work at Lever, um, I teach at Centennial College. I make sure my students are aware of that and thinking about these things as part of the day-to-day. Fantastic. And I think that's such an important uh, important thing and, and a great way to put it that you're you're an advocate. I know that you've mentioned here that that accessibility and equity are two really important parts of your design process and have kind of followed through, as you mentioned, that the nodes of your career so far, that's been the common link. So how do you build them into your design process? So yeah, so I think that's, that, that is a great question. And I think to answer that, um, we can start, I want to start by talking about the design process itself. So when we look at the design process, a lot of us look at it, and especially as students or professionals in the career, we kind of think of it as a, that circle um, where we have like these certain points that we, in cadences that we have to hit, where we have that initial brief, we have like the problem statements, the requirements of the project, that initial research phase, the design, iteration, iterative design process, launch, and then feedback, and then the kind of loops back again. And within that circle, we have various loops and different areas. So generally speaking, when you think about adding accessibility or equity or ethical design into the process, it usually begins and ends at that that design phase. So when you're actually creating the physical piece of the product or whatever it is you're creating, that's usually the beginning and the end of it. We think about it as, are the colors, do they have enough contrast with them? Um, if we're doing like a marketing piece, do we have diverse enough images? That's kind of where we leave it, leave it off at. However, I would kind of challenge that. I challenge you to think about where else could we actually inject that and how can we make sure that things like equity and accessibility, they live throughout that whole process. And one area that I like to think that it should live in is at the very beginning. So when we think about the design process again, that phase where we're defining like what the problem is that we want to solve and uh, what the requirements of the project are. During that phase, think about how we can inject accessibility to that process. So 
what I mean by that is oftentimes when we have our list of problems, accessibility is often that like that little box that says, make sure the product is accessible, which is great. Like, a, don't get me wrong, that is fantastic. Like that is a, a great goal to have. However, again, I would challenge to ask like, you know, what does that mean? When you say something's accessible, what do you mean by that? Because accessibility is a broad term. It can mean things as making sure that people can physically enter your business. Well, or it could mean some, something as, again, like your colors have high enough contrast. So I think it's important to start there and define what accessibility actually means in context of whatever it is you're trying to do. Like, and think about how you will make sure your product is accessible and how it will actually physically be accessible. I think like starting from there, you can then move into other phases of that design process with things like accessibility and equity in mind. So you could think of things like, okay, we want to make sure that our product is accessible. How are we going to make sure that um, the navigation, the information architecture is clear enough so that anyone, say, cognitive disability would be able to navigate it easily? Um, how do we connect, contextually group content together so that it makes sense that it you don't have to that you don't have to think too much about it that it's not too confusing that say someone is filling out a form how do we group that information in a way that makes sense to where whatever it is they're doing like say if you have a personal information section how to like grouping like the first last name age you know things like that into one area but even beyond just like the actual design aspect of it thinking about you know, language. How do we communicate? How do we make that accessible? How do we make that inclusive? Uh, an example I can give of this is um, I worked on a project at the bank where we wanted to give customers the way to scan and upload their ID so they could verify the, who they are and get their accounts right away. One of the things we did is we had try to have some playful and fun language in there that was at one point, you had to take a selfie. So it had some language in there that said something on the lines of, make sure you comb your hair for the selfie. Something fun like that. But when we did some testing with it, some people pointed out that, hey, that doesn't really apply to me. One woman, she had a hijab. It didn't apply to her at all. She made it as like an offhand comment, but it's something that we took back as a team and thought, okay, yeah, wow, we didn't think about like how something like this is inclusive of other people. So... Again, like when you're defining these terms of like being accessible and inclusive, these requirements for your project, start by defining what that actually means. And then that way, when you're going through the actual design process, you have these cadences and checkpoints to actually make sure you're on track. You're actually hitting these things. That way, when you release the product, it actually has a full, fully cohesive idea of like how it is accessible. Excellent points. And and I think that's such an, uh, a really visual important example of the woman with the hijab who didn't connect with with the the cute language that you were trying to portray you thought it was fun but oh yeah it doesn't work for a, a large segment of the population so maybe we're going to try and build in a more inclusive message i think that's a really excellent example thank you for sharing that now can you provide us with any specific examples of projects that you've worked on and how these digital products uh perhaps were made more accessible? Any specific examples? I guess the first one I can talk about um, was again at the bank. Um, and this was part of the onboarding process. Generally nowadays when people open up a bank account or they apply for a credit card, they're doing it online. 
them. Like back in the day, you'd go physically go to a branch or something, or you'd call someone on the phone. But now you're doing it on your smartphone or on your computer. So the project like that, and with banking, as complex as banking can be, there are a lot of challenges with that. Where you need to make sure that information is clear, concise, easy to understand. You need to make sure that the way you organize and um, design your information architecture that there's a very clear flow of information that doesn't overwhelm the individual, that um, makes it so they can easily navigate between sections of your application, things like that. All of these things go beyond just, as I mentioned earlier, the color contrast. So with that project, it took a lot of work and, you know, Consult, consultation with accessibility, SMEs at the organization, um, also usability testing to really make sure that beyond just like the visual of how it looked, that being actually being physically usable as a product, that it was accessible. It's a lot, it was a lot of work, but I think that at the end of the day, it was totally worth it because when we did was delivered a product that was easy to use. And in general, people loved it because it wasn't overwhelming. It didn't you know, make it too difficult to actually complete the process. And like that's and that's one of the examples of like where taking the extra time of applying accessibility to it and things like that conclusion and equity to your designs can really help um, make it much more useful for the end user. I think that I'm working on nowadays, I can't say too much about, but it's a project where we're redesigning something. One of the key tenants or core tenants of that design process for this project is we want to make it accessible. Again, that's one of the main things that we want to do. We want to make it inclusive. So thinking about things like defining at the very beginning of our of our user personas, you know, we're thinking about things like like gender, race, things like that as part of who will be using this product to make sure that when we're doing things like creating our language um, and how we're displaying things, that it makes sense and that it's inclusive of all individuals. Um, in, terms of in terms of accessibility, similar to the previous project, making sure that things like the information architecture are done and thoroughly thought out in a way that it is clear, it's concise, and there is a logical flow of information for the user so that when it comes to actually using the product, there is a clear, like, association between um, what is happening on screen and is what's expected of them. And then they can also, from that point, make an assumption of like, okay, what can come next? So they're always prepared um, as they're going through the process. So things like that are one of the, some of the products that I've been working on that are generally trying to be more accessible. And generally speaking, do you find that your clients are asking for this accessibility, these accessibility features, or are you having to convince them that the time and the effort and the costs are worth it? This is one of those things that is kind of shifting rapidly as as time progresses on. So I think there was a time, and I think there, I mean, there's probably still still is happening nowadays where um, you need to convince organizations to take accessibility seriously um, because in some cases it's considered as an extra cost. It's an add-on that takes more time, it costs more money to do so maybe let's not do that. Or in some cases, it's maybe like, we don't want to because we just, we like what we have, we don't want to change. I would say that in general, especially nowadays, it's one of those things where from a user perspective, I think accessibility is so paramount to the end user because it makes, it can make their 
their overall experience much better. And from an organization standpoint, I think we have two, I guess we have like two different ways of looking at it. One is where organizations that like they prioritize, that's part of their DNA. They really like want to incorporate, make sure things are accessible. And on the other hand, we have organizations that look at it, as I mentioned earlier, like a checklist. So they're like, well, is it accessible? Check, good enough. So I think like it really depends on the organization, but I would say that, especially over the last couple of years, it's definitely something that more organizations and people have as top of mind. So the conversations are happening, which is, I think is an important first step. I think the next step is, like I mentioned earlier, trying to think about how can we actually define what accessibility means to each product or each marketing campaign and how can we actually implement it in a way that is meaningful to the end user. I think that's kind of where we're at now in the space of like the accessibility conversation. And I think that's so important that thinking, coming back to the human connection. So it's, I mean, there's so much involved in the technical side of things and that's where your expertise is, but coming back and realizing that this has to be usable by an end user, a human at the end of the process is, it can't be something that is overlooked. Yeah, 100%. Like, I think that's one of the, I think, as, especially as a designer, that's definitely something that's very easy, that vacuum is very easy to be engulfed in, of designing based off of your own personal assumptions. Like, I know that is part, that can, that is part of the design process. Um, we have to make assumptions on things. Um, but oftentimes, it's very easy to lose sight of the fact that as designers, like I tell my students all the time that while a lot of design can be considered art, not all art can be considered design because design has a purpose, has a function, has a use. And people actually do use whatever it is you create, be it to get information about something or to assist them with the task they're doing. So I think that it's, during that process, it can be very easily to get attached to our own assumptions and ideas of what we want to do. But at the end of the day, as designers and problem solvers, we really need to think about and keep in mind who we're designing for because it has a use. Someone will have to actually use this to do something in their life. So keeping that in mind, it's challenging, but it's always good to remind ourselves that we are creating something for other people. Well said. What do you think many organizations right now are doing right when it comes to accessibility? And what do you think needs some significant improvement? Yeah, like I think definitely for things that organizations are doing right. Like I mentioned earlier, the idea that accessibility is kind of like this thing that they have to add on. They, they, it's like a checklist item. Now, it might be kind of weird to hear me say that like, oh, that's a good thing. So I just spent like five minutes trashing it out. But I think that the important piece here is that it's something that is being thought about or talked about and being added as part of the conversation. That's the first step. And I think that is that first step is something that organizations are doing well, is starting to talk about and think, okay, we need to make this accessible. Having said that, I think like definitely there is more work to be done. Like I think that, like I mentioned earlier, defining like what that actually means. Uh, like when you're trying to make something accessible, like how, like what is it you're trying to do? How are you going to accomplish that? But I think those initial conversations are now something that a lot of organizations are taking seriously, taking more seriously, and they're trying to implement it in at least some way. And I think that that is something that they're doing very well right now. It's a conversation that they're willing that a lot of organizations are willing to have. 
So I think that's something that they're doing right. There's an improvement. I mean, the lot could be said, but I kind of want to focus on like one specific, one specific area of this, just at least to start. One of the things like I mentioned earlier with the example I gave of changing the language, because we thought it was super fun to say like comb your hair, but it wasn't very inclusive. One of the things that might come up is if we're trying to be more accessible or inclusive, that like we can't be as fun or engaging or really some of our brand or personality. This makes me th- it always makes me think of an example that happened, I guess, 15, 16 years ago now. Um, Sony, so big company Sony, they were launching a new product in Netherlands. They were launching a new color option for their, their PlayStation Portable gaming device. So for the tagline, um, white is coming, I believe. Which is fine. Okay, cool. However, they went, the final creative they created was of a a white woman, like stylized in all white, physically choking a black woman in silhouette. Now I use this example because oftentimes when we have that counterpoint of, well, we can't be as playful or fun or creative anymore, I always challenge that good creativity should not come at the expense of another person's well-being, their safety, and their dignity. And I think that is often a conversation that comes up that I've had in the past, specifically when it comes to things like being accessible or inclusive with your design, is, well, we can't be as fun or we can't like have to be, have so many things you have to consider now. But again, I would challenge that good creative, being creative, you should be able to do that without sacrificing another person. So I think that is still something that does permeate areas of the design industry. And I think that is something that we still need to work on. Um, And we need to really consider that you don't have to sacrifice creativity because creativity can can mean anything. You can be creative with anything. Creativity is trying to find a way around a problem. If in your mind, accessibility and inclusion are a problem, then as a creative, you your job is to literally solve that and make sure that you create something that is accessible and inclusive. I think that's is definitely like, uh, a challenge I think that needs to improve and something we need to keep in mind um, as we move forward, making things more accessible and inclusive. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more that, that even though yeah, we can't be fun and playful and, oh, we have to kind of consider all of these different people. Well, yeah, of course you do. Yeah. It's 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 like, as you said, the, we can't come at the expense of someone's well-being or their safety. I mean, that's that's kind of a, a baseline. No, we can't go there. But that doesn't mean that creativity can't happen. And I, I absolutely agree with that. Exactly. Like, I think I think that's often, oftentimes used as a shield to deflect. But, um, you know, again, like as creatives, I guess as majority designers are problem solvers. Um, I think that that with that, like we can solve these problems in other ways. And we can always solve problems that are accessible and inclusive. Of course. 
You also work as an instructor, you mentioned, at Centennial College. So I'm really curious to pick your brain as a fellow educator. How do you teach future product designers to think about accessibility and equity and ethics and all of that, all of that kind of the theme that we've been talking about today? How do you teach your students about these big, important topics? Yeah, totally, totally great question. Because I think that... Um, as an educator, it's it's one of those important things that like you're trying to help engage and guide these students on a path that you know gets them thinking about all these broader concepts. So I generally teach uh, first year design students at the college, and luckily I teach the design process class. So first year, first semester, they have my class <laughs> where they're learning about how to design things and. One of the things I'd like to do is I include a section as part of that first class of accessibility and equity. We have a whole unit on what the students learn about that. Um, and that kind of continues on between my class, which is the first design process class, and the second design process class. So the first one is more where they start to learn about these concepts. And the second one is where they start to apply it as part of their projects, as part of their design process, where I can look to and expect to see them thinking about accessibility, making those considerations and having those things top of mind when they create and hand in something. I think one of the really cool things, and those with like the next generation of designers, is that especially with inclusion, a lot of the students that I've taught over the past couple of years are very aware of the idea of inclusion and equity and things like that. This is something that they, a lot of students, it is important to them. It's personal to them. They believe in it and they work with it. So it's kind of, it's almost kind of like preaching to the choir um, when I start to introduce them to the concepts such as that. So it's been great not having to have too many conversations around like, hey, make sure you consider this because they're already thinking about this. And whenever I've had lectures about this sort of thing, we always have great conversations and I love hearing their perspectives on it. With, with accessibility, it's one of those things where I think the, st the students are super engaged with the idea of it. They really like, they really love learning about it, from my experience, about what accessibility is and how they can apply it to their work. It's one of those things, though, that because it's something, not, it's a concept they haven't really like dived into or it's kind of abstract to them. There's a lot of more questions around that. But one of the things I try to do is you know, relate to a practical example. So with accessibility with their assignments, it's one of those, I give them tools that they can use and we talk about like, how can you go about making sure and thinking about things in a more equitable and accessible way when you're planning out your project. And because accessibility for a lot of people is not something that they've really experienced. They don't really are not familiar with it. For everybody, like it's, it's a little bit more of an involved process of teaching it. However, again, like I mentioned, because these students are so like engaged and aware of like the world that we live in and the need for things to be inclusive, it's just always the desire to learn more about it. So teaching it has been really rewarding and like just in introducing them to the concept of you know, how do you create something that's accessible? What does that actually mean? Has been just so fascinating to watch them like kind of go through that and. You know, building those assignments and exercises to have that in mind. I think a lot of students really appreciate that. They have like these practical, smaller things where they can kind of get a good bite-sized chunk of information about like how this applies to um, accessibility and how they can apply it to their work. I 
found the same thing in that it's not a hard sell and that they are thinking about inclusion and accessibility and equity and all of these big, really important topics that kind of flow throughout our daily lives. And I, uh, yeah, I think it's it's such important work that you're doing, Josh. And I appreciate all of what you're doing for students and for industry. And I really enjoyed our conversation today. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me on.